the third stanza, we read that we read we sang these sub words. We say, Days of darkness still come o'er me. Sorrow's paths I often tread. But the Savior still is with me. By his hand, I'm safely. Dear sister over in Wheatland has received word that her son needs another MRI. Jim. Her son Jim. Let me tell you a little something about Jim. He's he's an amazing young man that doesn't hold his peace at all. He'll blurt out things like, Praise the Lord! God rules over everything. God has blessed me with this. And, I, and you say, Well, now that's what's so amazing about that, John. How many special needs children do you hear say that? How many children that have difficulty understanding the realities of this life speak so highly of God? I was talking with Jamie once, and we were she was distressed quite a bit over the situation, and she's a single mother on top of everything, struggling with work, trying to work with home. She, I'll tell you, folks, you think you've got a problem? It's nothing compared with our dear sister Jane is going through. She was so stressed out, and I, I said, Jamie, you know, you have every right to be under such stress and emotion. I said, but I want you to stop and think about something. I believe your son knows the Lord. I have two children. I know that if they belong to him, they will come to him. But God hasn't made that move in any of their hearts yet. He's made the move in Jim's heart. And as we talked and we went back to that very thing, looking to what Christ has done in one of his people, all the sorrow that that poor young lady was going through at that moment fled away. Her son knows the Lord, as best we can tell. God has inspired that young man to express himself glorifying the Lord. And that's amazing to me. You know, folks, we all have problems, don't we? We all deal with the things of work or the things of family or the things of this, things of that. Days of darkness still come over me. How about you? Sorrow's paths I often tread. How about you? But God. Don't you like those words? But God. I love them. But God who is rich in mercy and in grace. For with he loved me, he gave his own.
begotten Son for us. What a great God. How great thou art. Turn over the book of Numbers, if you would, please. You ever get to feeling like you're alone in that sorrowfulness, in that, on that path, the paths of sorrow, the days of darkness? Am I alone in this, Lord? Am I the only one that struggles with the sin that's within me? Am I the only one who stops occasionally and thinks to myself, Lord, am I really yours? How can a mind, how can a mind who knows the truth of God think such thoughts as I do? How can a mind that knows the truth of God and what he has done for me, he laid down his life and shed his blood for me. How can a mind who thinks, who knows that, who's experienced grace in the heart, allow the pride to stand up and say, I'm not going to go talk to that person because I'm better than they are. Lord, am I saved? Do I belong to you? We're not alone, folks. The person that wrote this song, the person that the Lord inspired to write these words, days of darkness still come over me, sorrow's paths I often tread, that's us, isn't it? Isn't that what makes this song meaningful to you and I? The words? Isn't that what the song of amazing grace makes meaningful to us? Do you think that person who wrote that didn't experience grace? He most certainly did. We're not alone in sorrows. We're not alone in this valley of the shadow of death. I know people point to the sovereign grace uh, churches and say, Oh, the frozen chosen You think you're the only ones in the whole world who are saved, but no. I know I'm not alone. I know that throughout the scriptures, throughout time, God has pictures of people just like you and I. People whose faith is weak. People who wonder, Lord, am I saved? People who doubt. This is the struggle that is within us, and it's never going to get any better. I don't care what all those self-help preachers try to teach the, their congregations. It doesn't get any better until the Lord takes us out of this world. That's where the bliss begins. Oh, we have a peace, all right. We have a peace knowing that our Lord works it all out. He works it all out according to his counsel. It's all according to his purpose. It's for the good to them that love him. We have a peace. Are you in Numbers chapter 13? The Israelites had come to the base of Mount Sinai on the border of the great wilderness and the land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan. The land that was promised to them by the Lord. 
And God instructed Moses to take one spy from each of the 12 tribes and send them out to scout the land. And they did. And they returned with evidence of God's truths. In fact, they came back with a cluster of grapes so big that it took two men to carry it into camp. I've never seen anything that big. I've never seen a cluster of grapes that big. My mom had a, a, a grape harbor over the back patio, and we get some, there were some years where it was sparse, of course, you know, but some years there, there are grapes, big old, huge grapes. You might have to grab it with two hands, but never one big enough that it took two men to carry it. This is, this is, our Lord said it would be there. And they went, and it was there. Yet their hearts, yet ten of the twelve had hearts that were troubled by the people of the land. Two weren't troubled, the other ten were. We're not alone. We're not alone. Look with me, if you would, chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers shall send ye a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And it goes on to list those men. And I want to jump over to verse 17, if you would, please. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain. Now, uh, oh, just keep going. And see, the land that, and see the land what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities may be that they dwell in, whether tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood thereon or not, and be ye of courage, good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of first strip grapes, first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rohab, Rehab, Rehob, as men came from Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where, and this, I'm sorry folks, I, I just, I struggle with names, you know it, I do the best I can. Ahiman, Shehashay, and Talmai, and the children of Anak were, now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in, the, in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshol, Eshol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff. They brought of pomegranates and of figs. The place was called the Brook of Eshol, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they turned and they returned from searching of the land from after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him 
and said, We came unto the land whither thou sendest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. We'll see in a moment, the children of Anak are giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan, and the Caleb, and Caleb still the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able we are well able to overcome it. But now remember, we're talking about not being alone when it comes to doubt, when it comes to the paths of sorrow. But when the men but the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Remember, our Lord is the one who said he would give this land to them. God instructed that he would give this land to them. Do you know the Lord tells you and I he'll give us everything? Isn't that what it says over in the book, book of Romans? I'll be right back here. I'm just going to jump over this so I read it properly because you know me. I'm good at messing things up. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Back in our text in Numbers. The men, but the men that went up with him with Caleb, said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through, through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of giants, of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Now read one, look at verse 1 of chapter 14. And all the congregation, they came with a bad, with an evil statement. They came stating, no, God, you're not right. Lord, you can't give us, we can't go up against this people. They're too big for Trusting in their own flesh, they turned against God and spoke against God. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Their cities, the cities of the land had high walls. The people were tough. They were hard people. Did you know that Jonah didn't go into uh, uh, Nineveh because the people were too strong? It'd be like, I was, as I was reading the description uh, of a commentator on what the city of Nineveh was like at that time, I thought to myself, it'd be like going down here to a, a bar full of hell's angels and trying to preach Christ to them. If the Lord sent me there, I would go. 
I'm thankful he hasn't sent me there yet. <laughs> but if he sent me there, I'd go. Even giants were in the land. I ask you this morning, are there giants in your land? Is that not a good description of the troubles that plague our lives? I'm going to make a statement, a bold statement. Our God sends those giants into our land. The God of all creation who rules over everything, does everything according to his purpose, sent those giants into the land. He drew Israel, Jacob and his family, into Egypt. And then raised up Egypt against Israel to, to enslave them so that he could raise up Pharaoh to sit where he sat and destroy him to show all the world his power. We were reading in Friday night's Bible study about a, a blind man by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas. Again, I don't say the names right, do I? Don't worry about it. I'm not. <laughs> Did you know God gave him that blindness? <gasps> what? If you don't believe in a God who rules over everything, who controls everything, then don't sit there and tell me about how he controls the dust, but he doesn't control you. He either rules over everything or he's not God at all. Is that not correct? He was either in charge of everything at the time that man became blind or was born blind, and it was by his purpose that Barnabas was blind, so that he could open his eyes day of love. You and I were born exactly where we were at the exact time God determined for us to be born. And everything that we have gone through to this very moment until the day the Lord takes us out is by his purpose. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe God is sovereign. Our Lord guides the giants just as much as he does the kings. He turns us all like rivers to whichever way he wants. Have you ever stopped for just a moment to consider the pictures that we see, the old types, the old pictures and types that we see in the scriptures that God has put there? You know, this is not a story. This is not somebody sat down and just wrote with a pen thinking, oh, this, oh great. Oh, you know what? I can see something. I've got to write that down. You know, imagination. That's not, this is not what this is. This is a fact. This is something that happened. God brought these people through the, the slavery of Egypt 
so that he could bring them into the wilderness, so that he could tell them, this is the land that I want you to have. And it was his purpose that ten men would come back and say, no, no, we can't do that. And it was his purpose that they would go out into the wilderness from there instead of going into the land that was promised, and only two over the age of 20 would go into that land. Oh, there were millions of people from Israel, but they spent 40 years out in the wilderness, and everybody that was over the age of 20 other than two men, those two spies that came back and said, absolutely we can take it, everybody else died in the wilderness. All the ones that were born in that 40 years and all those ones who had not been born at that time came, they, they grew up and they went on into the land after that. I am so thankful, so thankful that my Lord has given me these pictures that I can go into his word, the word of truth, and say, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. There were others who had doubts. Did Abraham have doubts? Did he not sleep with his wife's handmaiden and had a child by another woman? Did he not have doubts? Oh, yes, he did. Did David have doubts? Oh, yes, David had lots of doubts. A man after God's own heart. One of the strongest apostles I can think of is Peter. Did Peter have doubts? When he looked down at that water, when he had faith and he was looking to Christ, he could do anything. But when he looked down at that water, all of a sudden doubt flooded him. He began to sink. Aren't you thankful the Lord reaches down and pulls us up out of our doubts? Spent a lot of time just introducing today's message. My message this morning is fear or faith. All but the two of these spies had great fear in their hearts. They trusted not the word of the Lord. Some of you may be sitting here now wondering, am I trusting the Lord as the two did? Or am I one of the ten? I tell you, I wonder that. I did. I found myself coming up short. We recently considered the word of God where a man was sick and tormented. He had and, and had a tormented son. And he came to the Lord for healing, and the Lord responded in these words in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. If thou canst believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. And you know what the man said afterwards? He said, Lord. He cried out, Father, Lord. No, the Father cried out, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. We're not alone. Do you have doubts? Do you have wonders? You think, Lord, how can a man, how can I, a woman, think such things? You see, this one who cried out, Lord, I believe, help thou mine, I believe, this is more like me. This is more like what I am. 
I see my own sins. I find my own self without strength. I see great giants in my land. Turn, if you will, to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Join me, if you would, at verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And with many such parables spake he, spake our Lord, he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when, they had, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as it was in the ship, and there, were, and, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat it into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in a, high, a hinder part of the ship asleep on the pillow. Does it ever seem to you that the Lord's asleep in your life? Lord, where are you? Lord, I need you now. Where are you? Do you care if I die? Do you care if the troubles that are pounding down against me beat me to death? Our dear sister was crying just like that. Her troubles are great. I pray the Lord lays it on your heart to pray for her. Her name is Jamie and her son's name is Jim. Pray for them, please. May God be merciful to them and comfort them through the trials that they're having to go through. Lord, do you care? And there arose a great storm of winds, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and say it unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased. Did you hear that? The wind ceased. If it's God's will to bring you to the point of crying out to him, he will. And sometimes he brings you to that point so that he will call the winds to cease. So that you will know he is God. People say, well, I'm looking for signs. I need, some, I need something to show me. God shows us his signs all the time. I don't need to look for it. He shows them to us. wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said unto them why are ye so fearful how is it that ye have no faith and they feared exceedingly and said one unto another what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him what manner of man is this that even a dead spirit can be given life and believe in him. We were all dead at one time, weren't we? 
if you see that, it's because you were blind before, and now you see. Because God has given you sight. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is a man like no other. A man that never walked this earth. This is one... This one has not the seed of Adam, the seed of sin. This one came by the way of the Spirit through a virgin. This one had no guile in his mouth. He knew no sin. He walked perfectly. Everything he did pleased the Father, our Lord God from heaven. And everybody around heard it said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus Christ the Lord is who he is. He and the Father and the Spirit are one, and all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. The wind and the sea answer to him because he is the Lord of all lords. He is the king of all kings. He is God in the flesh, and he is the one that says this in Isaiah 14, 24. The Lord of hosts, of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought. All he has to do is think it. Some like to say, well, he snapped his fingers. God just says, let it be. And it is. Surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. He says again in Isaiah 46, 11, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel far from from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. And if that's not good enough for you, I can give you a third verse, I'm sure there's a lot more, but here's a third one, Jeremiah 4.28, For this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I, speaking of God, speaking of the Lord, I have spoken it, I have purposed it and will not repent, neither will I turn my back from it. Folks, this is the sovereign God that we talk about from this pulpit every Sunday. The one who has purposed everything. That's hard for us to swallow, isn't it? Some of us have been through some pretty downright, terrible, nasty, ugly trials in our lifetime. Everything I have been through, my God has purposed for me. Amen. This is the very one who chose us to be the recipients of his love. Think about that. Our God has chosen us to be the recipients of his love. Now, if he purposed everything in creation, is anything going to stop us from receiving that love? Can you stop the hand of God? As a recipient of His redeeming grace, we are vessels of His mercy. We've been vessels of His mercy from before the world was ever created. Isn't that what it says? In, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's just, let's just look at that again. I think we looked at this in our Bible study. We're going to look at it again. Sometimes that happens when you've got two messages going on in your mind at the same time. 
Ephesians 1. Our brother Tom Sawyer, one of the elders of the church, wonderful guy, just a wonderful guy. So you, some of you may remember him. When we had our men's meeting on Sunday mornings, there would be one man who would volunteer for the next Sunday to read scriptures, and every single time Tom would read Ephesians 1. <laughs> Somebody asked him one time, you ever get tired of reading? He goes, no. He goes, I'm not reading for you. I'm reading for me. I never get tired of it. Our God's purpose for you and I was determined before the world ever was. That's what we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him. According as God hath chosen you and I, all of his sheep, in his son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. <sighs> holy and without blame before him. In love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Folks, this one who chose us is faithful in all that he does, all that he says. He is unchanging. He is unwavering. He is steadfast. Scriptures describe him as the solid rock. After telling Peter, blessed are you, because Peter had said, why thou art the son of the living God, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you. He said, upon this rock. Now, many people have taken that and said, that's, rock, that's Peter. That's talking about Peter. Because Peter means rock. Upon, upon this rock, upon this rock, my church shall be built. Folks, Jesus Christ is the rock. Peter was nothing but a man saved by grace, just as you and I are. Jesus Christ is the rock that his church is built upon. He's steadfast, solid as a rock. Men, we change our minds about everything, don't we? You think that changing your mind is only for a woman? No. Ask my wife. She'll, she'll be happy to tell you. Men change their minds just as much. Can't count on men to do anything. I had to change my mind uh, with my daughter. She was going to come down, and I promised her I'd go somewhere with her. And, and I'd call her and tell her, you know what? I just can't keep that promise now. That's all right, Dad. I'm not sure I really want to go anyway. Men change their minds just as much as women. We do it all the time. But this one, this one that we see in scriptures, he does not. He set his love upon us and is faithful in all that he has promised. Amen. He faithfully gave himself as our ransom. He faithfully laid down his life as our substitute. He faithfully shed his blood as our scapegoat, as our sacrifice as our payment to God for our sins. He faithfully laid down his own life in our stead, being made sin for us that we would be made righteous in him. And then when all of our sin was laid upon him and he took it into the grave, he raised himself from that grave, leaving all unrighteousness, that all the unrighteousness that was ours behind 
never to be seen again. He is my righteousness. He is my faithfulness. The giants in my land have no hold upon me. The very sin that I look at and say, Lord, how can I think such things? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Lord, how can my pride swell up so much? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Our God is bigger than anything else. He is either your high point or he is nothing at all. Oh, I still tremble. I tremble when the giants go about roaring like a lion. Did you know the devil does that? Goes about roaring like a lion, seeking to devour whom he will. The devil is God's devil on a chain. The devil could do nothing to Job until the Lord said, go, but don't do that. All those devils that were in that possessed person couldn't go anywhere until the Lord said, go ahead, go into that herd of swine, and then he ran them off a cliff. Are there giants in our land? Absolutely. Are we going to tremble? Yes, but all they're doing is roaring. Did you know this, that a lion, when they roar, they're not hunting? I didn't know that. When a lion roars, when they hunt, they're quiet. You ever watch a cat? They sneak up on their prey. They're not out there. Same thing with lions. They're not roaring. When they're roaring, they're crying out for something. To, I'm the king of the forest or the king of the jungle. But when they're hunting, they're quiet. Our giants roar, don't they? I'm getting a little bit long here. The one whose faithfulness is perfect, perfect as it is in everything he does, I turn to the one whom God the Father first trusted. Look with me over at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you still there? I got out of it. Sorry about that. Let me go back to it. Look at verse 12 that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. If God the Father trusted his only begotten Son, can you and I trust him? Can we go up against those giants in our world, in our land, against him? Now look at verses 13 through 23. In whom? In this very one whom God first trusted, ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believe, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love of all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, 
who believe according to the working of what? Of his mighty power. Folks, we have giants in our land, but they are all smaller than our Lord. Listen to a quotation from Robert Parker, if you would. In these verses, amidst many other blessed things, we have two great subjects of doctrine spoken of. The first is the church is predestinated to the Lord's glory by trusting in Christ. And the other is that after this predestination act Jehovah, of Jehovah to believe in Christ, the Holy Ghost is said to seal the persons of believers as the Holy Spirit of promise. There will always be storms in our lives, folks. As long as we walk this earth, cursed is the ground that we walk upon. But we have an advocate. We have a mediator. We have the perfect spokesman speaking on our behalf, and he does not fail. He is called Jesus Christ the Lord, for he shall save his people. These pestilent giants that we have walking in our land are big, yes, but God. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1, and I'll bring this to a close. While you're turning there, allow me to quote from Habakkuk 2 verse 4, where it says, The just shall live by his faith. Where is your faith this day? That's what our Lord asked them. That's what he asked those men on the ship. Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? The disciples on the ship, they trembled in fear, yet the Lord taught them once again, He is God in the flesh. We constantly are troubled, therefore we are constantly turned to Him. When we are at our weakest point, His strength is revealed. We who are purchased of God by the blood of His darling Son, we put our trust in Him because of Him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. His gift to us is faith in Him. It can simply be put this way, can't it? We love Him because He first loved us. I didn't just decide one day, I think I'll love the Lord. No, He showed me His love for me first. Through the preaching of his gospel, I heard about a God who does not fail, who has loved me from before the world was, and that's how he shows each and every one of his people. I loved you, you will love me. So when these giants come your way, look to your advocate. Look at verses 5 of chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. This is the gospel message that we have heard of him and we declare it again and again and again and again. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in light, in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now let's look at verse 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, many want to take that and say, Jesus is the propitiation for the sins of every man. Just like they take the John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We know that's not true. We know that's not true because God also says in his word, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. He also says in John verse seven, or chapter 17, I pray not for the world, I pray for them that thou hast given me. So how can, how can we read this? How can we read this and understand the truth about it? God's people are spread throughout all time, throughout all the whole world. As long as the world is here, as long as the world is in place where it is today, God has his chosen sinners that he will save, that he shall call. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. My sheep hear my voice. When the last sheep is called, that's the last of Everything will be burned up and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. As David said this to Goliath, now I ask you, do you think David had strong faith? He had exactly the amount of faith at the time that God wanted him to have it. You and I have the exact amount of faith that our God wants us to have it. Thou comest to me, said David, with a sword unto Goliath, and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Do we have giants in our land? Absolutely. Absolutely. But our God is bigger than the giants. Would you turn with me, stand with me, and turn to page 103. 